Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning. With us this morning, we have Corey Perlman, founder of eBootCamp, a social media guru who travels all around the country, making sure that his clients are up to date on what's happening and what's new in social media. And we also have Wendy Johnson, CEO of Dale Carnegie, Georgia, a professional development expert and leader in the community. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you. It's our pleasure. So I'd love to start off by finding out from both of you, what are the important business trends that are happening in your area of expertise? So Corey, social media is very hot. Everybody who's in business needs to have a social media presence. So tell us what you think that's happening that's really important for our listeners to know. Well, uh, this past year, I've really been talking about social media overload and um, focusing on simplifying the social media sites that you're focusing on as opposed to trying to do them all really well. Um, You don't want to be a jack of all social media sites, master of none. So what I've been talking to a lot of uh, businesses and executives is about where are their customers and prospects spending time online and figuring that out and then focusing on those sites and meeting them there. So if it's um, the millennials, uh, it might be Instagram or Facebook. Um, If it's the business community, executive CEOs, decision makers, it might be LinkedIn. Um, If it's females um, ages, you know, 30 to 55, it might be Pinterest. So really, you know, figuring out what your demographic is, what your target market is, and then focusing on those sites, which is, um, I think, critical to success. So that's one area. Uh, The other thing I would just say is, uh, you know, uh, the thing about social media is it's changing every day. And there's two things you have to worry about. One is um, allowing yourself to get caught up in the newest and greatest social media site. Uh, we always say that if it's not making money for you or, or getting some sort of result for you, it's just a hobby. So don't jump into a social media site just because it's the newest and best thing. Figure out if there's a business reason to do so. And the second thing is, is Facebook, for example, the largest social network in the world, is, is changing their rules every day. And um, they've made it very difficult for businesses like Wendy and Dale Carnegie to be able to uh, promote themselves or to be able to engage their audience via their normal business page route. You actually have to pay money now um, to be able to hit all your fans. So we're trying to find different angles within these social communities to be able to engage the fans that she has already connected with on. So that's really what's going on right now. Thanks. And Wendy, tell us a little bit about what you see that are important trends in professional development that you think our CEO listeners should, should know about? Well, um, thank you for the question. Um, ad, we just come off a great um, recession, and um, as a result, the employee population of companies is very unhappy and disgruntled, pretty much, because companies had to cut back and do um, more with less, and the employees were left in the balance to struggle through that time. And then you add to that probably a, uh, an employee population that's pretty well disengaged from their work. Um, we've also got baby boomers that are retiring. And they say that it's as much as 10,000 people a day are retiring. And so with them, um, leaving the workplace is a tremendous intellectual capital that um, they're not so excited about 
transferring their knowledge to the next generation that's going to be taking charge. So businesses today, whether you're a small company or a very large company, you have to be very cognizant of what your succession plan is because of this fleeing of the baby boomers out to retirement. So companies need to engage with their employees. They need to make sure that they're properly trained, that they are feeling valued, and that um, equates to businesses in dollars. This disengaged workforce is costing billions of dollars to corporate America. And so just to go back to what you were saying, Corey, about social media overload before we come back and kind of dive a little bit deeper on some of the trends that Wendy was talking about, when you say that people should focus their social media efforts, does that mean that you think that some businesses shouldn't even have a presence on some social media at all? Um, and then if so, what decides when, for example, you should have a Facebook page um, for a business page or not when Facebook is so ubiquitous? Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that we say oftentimes uh, when we're doing, you know, when we're either working with our clients like like Wendy or when we're doing seminars and such is we have our uh, people that we're with kind of go out and do an audit of the different social media sites and see what you've been doing on there. Because uh, in my opinion, it's, it's more uh, hurtful to your credibility if somebody goes to your LinkedIn page and you have you know, 11 connections and you've uh, posted something six months ago as opposed to a couple of days ago. If you're letting it die on the vine, I think it does more harm than good. So my suggestion at that point is to delete the profile or um, make sure that you're being active on it at all times, you know, make sure you're being consistent with it. And that doesn't mean you have to post every five minutes of the day, but you know, whatever is consistent for you, it might be a couple times a week or once a week, something of that effect. But one of the first things to do is just make sure that there aren't sites at some person created for you uh, two and a half years ago that you totally didn't know about and all it's really doing is collecting dust on online so we look for those sites to see if they are online and then we try to make a business decision of whether or not they should be active on it and part of the reason you know wendy and i are sitting here today is wendy wendy realizes in her business that that they don't have time to be active on all their social networks so they needed a company like ours to be able to help manage it and we always say to folks like wendy we would never be as good as if wendy was sitting there every day and posting something of brilliance when it comes to leadership or sales or communication on these certain social networks but we're the next best thing we try to plant our flag inside the community of dale carnegie and present something on these social networks that is of value to their community and so how do you help your clients decide what the right level of investment is? So you talked about how to decide where your leading tip is, right? You look at where your, your, your clients are. Mm -hmm. But how do you decide then what to do, for example, on LinkedIn? And there's a whole host of things that you can do even on one of these social media outlets. So how do you decide what to do? How do you decide what the budget should be? How do you decide what the time investment should be? How do you kind of figure all that out? Because it, it, it's a complete miasma for a lot of people. Uh, it, it really comes down to two words, and that's add value. And uh, that's really, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty simple guy. And so, uh, like ad value or ad value, like advertising value? No, no, or? no. <laughs> ADD. Okay. <laughs> add value um, to the community that you are trying to work with. So, again, I, um, since I have Wendy sitting next to me and Dale Carnegie is one of our largest clients, uh, you know, we try to think about the Dale Carnegie community 
and uh, the people that are involved or would like to be involved with Dale Carnegie and what are they interested in. Now that can be in a different, a bunch of different categories and that's what's cool. We can have fun. You know, the people in Georgia right now, right now as we speak, you know what they're thinking about? Getting to work because the snow is falling as we speak. I know I'm totally dating our, our, our program here, but that's what we're interested in. So if I'm posting to Wendy's profile right now, I might be posting a couple things about what everyone is thinking about right now, which is the snow. Um, you know, But we also talk about things that, you know, one of the things I often challenge Wendy with is what are the five most frequently asked questions that they get uh, at any given time from their prospects and customers. That's brilliant. And if we can help answer those questions, then we're adding adding value. So, but just to clarify a little bit. So when you're working with somebody like Wendy and you're thinking about how to deploy scarce resources, which is the plague of every business owner, how do you think about how Facebook, you know, I'm assuming LinkedIn is probably your leading your leading tip. Maybe that's wrong. But, you know, LinkedIn, how much time to spend on LinkedIn, you know, what the budget should be like. Take us through what that thought process looks like a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, obviously with every industry, it's a bit different. So it, with Dale Carnegie, you know, they have such a strong uh, community uh, presence. You know, when you go through a Dale Carnegie program, you become kind of friends for life with your community that you took that program with. So uh, we use Facebook as a strong presence there okay. to try to keep people engaged. From a networking and prospecting perspective, it's definitely LinkedIn. You're 100% correct there. Uh, you know, we find that executives, uh, decision makers and such, they feel a bit safer on LinkedIn than they do Facebook or Twitter. Facebook and Twitter are still kind of scary communities for some people. Uh, feel like it's too personal things of that nature. So LinkedIn's definitely an, an environment that we feel very comfortable in, um, in having a presence for Wendy, as well as for Dale Carnegie. And, and there are a couple of newer communities that we are um, working towards, like Instagram, which is the millennials, and they're, they're coming up. And um, boy, I, if I could have, everyone always says, if I could have taken Dale Carnegie when I was younger, if I could have taken Dale Carnegie, and, and I'm the same way. I took tw- Dale Carnegie when I was 24 years old. I would wish I would have taken him when I was 16 years old. <laughs> so as the as the age group starts to come up, and that becomes the buyer, which in the next 10, 15 years, that is going to be the buyer, um, the predominant buyer. Uh, Instagram's going to be a huge, huge place for us as well. Okay. And just, you know, for folks um, who are listening, can you just give us a really quick rundown on the different social, like, you know, who's on Google Plus, who's on Instagram, who you mentioned Pinterest, you know, being women of a certain age demographic. We talked about LinkedIn. What about clout? Some of the others that folks may have heard of but may not be familiar with. Yeah, and the, the one that I'm often asked about is Google Plus. And, you know, if anyone's unfamiliar, that's really uh, the social network that Google decided to create to compete with Facebook. And it's really been a, a tough road for them. Um, I don't think that they're gaining major market share. Um, you know, I've been on uh, Google Plus. Dale Carnegie of Georgia has been on Google Plus for a long time. We've planted our flag there. We are there. Uh, I see it as a um, a benefit from a search engine optimization standpoint, and not to get too technical on you, but there's opportunities for uh, your company to rank on Google with postings to Google Plus. But as a social network, as a pure social network, it just doesn't seem to be um, uh, you know hitting the stride that I think it wanted to. Uh, as I mentioned, Instagram is definitely I would say the younger generation, the millennials, uh, eighteen the 34 um, age group. Pinterest is primarily women still. Uh, It's got a ton of engagement. And so it has to be right for your business. I would say, you know, a... um 
you know, an engineering firm may not be, you know, perfect for Pinterest, and I may have used a bad example, but a really cool uh, jewelry store that, you know, highlights cool jewelry might be perfect for um, Pinterest. So you want to have a very visual product in order, because it's a, uh, a photo, you know, uh, centric site. So I think Pinterest is definitely something that, um, uh, it, it, depending on your industry, there's a lot of opportunity on uh, LinkedIn business community. Facebook is kind of the behemoth. Twitter, to some degree, is the behemoth, but it's it's also a different platform. Twitter is more of a conversation. You can't go on Twitter and just post things. Um, you got to be able to engage and spend the time on there. So to be candid with you, I don't see um, for folks like Wendy, unless she has the time to engage, interact with Twitter, Twitter being that valuable of a community for her. So we focus primarily on Facebook and LinkedIn. Got it. Thank you. And and so, Wendy, now let's move on to talk a little bit about professional development mm-hmm. and your in- industry. You mentioned um, disgruntled employees, um, disengagement, folks retiring um, in record numbers. And then you mentioned the, the financial impact of that. Mm-hmm. So... In a, in a business you know, that you might be working with, what is the, the financial impact? How does that actually look? Well, it can be measured in many different ways. It depends on what, what industry and what segment of the population is disengaged. It can affect top-line sales. It can ta- affect bottom-line sales, client retention. Um, it, there can uh, be uh, a disengagement of the employee in that they do nothing extra. They s- stand at the water cooler uh, the proverbial water cooler, which is now the internet, <laughs> um, and uh, pass bad information to uh, bring the morale down uh, in the organization. So uh, it's uh, missed potential, missed potential, uh, and it's hard to put a dollar on it because, you know, I just know that it's in the billions of dollars. Right. And so what would you recommend as solutions when you're working with your clients? What are the, the solutions that you're looking at? Well, the first thing that we recommend is making sure that they have done a check, uh, done some kind of survey of their workforce. Um, You know, people support the world they help create. And if they feel that they can buy in... Um, you know, they can have a uh, an impact, then they're more likely to buy into a solution to the problem. So the first thing is to survey the employees and to uh, get a professional to look over the results. The biggest problem that most companies do is they do the measurement and then they don't change anything. <laughs> so every year the employees come to this survey and they go, oh, here's another survey from my company and they're never going to do anything. And so we recommend that a professional outside the organization take a look at it to create some kind of solution. Many times it is a developing people. Uh, the generations that are coming up in the workforce today are re- they really value development, and um, they uh, are not necessarily loyal to their company. They've seen their empl- their parents laid off and unemployed, and they don't feel loyal to companies. Uh, and they, they're kind of like in, in the sports world, you know, free agents. That's kind of how they view themselves. They don't – there's no longer a, you know – decade career, decades and decades of careers um, in in large companies necessarily. They're looking at themselves as independent agents. So if you develop them, if you give them something, they become loyal to you for that. Maybe not for your company, but for the involvement um, in their development. So uh, one of the solutions is the engagement survey. And then do we 
doing an analysis and then doing something about it. And the mentioning the baby boomers retiring, succession planning is probably foremost in most C-suite executives right now. And I, it doesn't have to be a major corporation, although they're very concerned. Also smaller companies because they, they – more entrepreneurial, and they've hired best of breed, and they haven't necessarily developed the follow-on uh, leadership within their organization. So um, having Ben strength, identifying high-potential employees, and then giving them the, the basic development needed to be a leader. Now, a lot of people will promote people for their years of service. They'll promote people for uh, being uh, knowing the most about the product. They'll promote, promote people who um, have top sales, but they don't um, necessarily have any skills to develop others or to lead others. And so a lot of people fail in their leader, first leadership role because they haven't been given any skills. Uh, so skill development, uh, and, and a lot of training companies provide process, and, uh, and it's, we find that management isn't a book on, on what you should and shouldn't do. Management is communication and building relationships, and so a lot of companies will, will train their managers, but they're really training them on how to be a manager in their organization about workflow, processes, uh, annual reviews, that sort of thing. And they forget the whole part about trust and building relationships because people will follow those they trust and that they have believe that they're being cared about. Right. One thing that I think is really interesting is you mentioned doing the, the survey or the yes. assessment. And then there's that point where the, the C-suite needs to make a decision about following the recommendations or the implications, what do you think decides or can motivate the change and motivate the C-suite to actually follow the, the recommendations that are coming out of the, the analysis of the data? Um, the C-suite is painfully aware of the cost of lack of engagement, and they know their workforce isn't engaged. Um, it's dollars um, and succession. They're really worried about their bench strength. They're really worried. And it's not necessarily who's going to be the next CEO. We hear that on the news all the time. But we're talking, you know, high potentials to move to their first management spot, to be groomed, to be, be going into executive leadership. And we're being called by many companies. Uh, they're sort of in a crisis mode uh, in mm. that it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And one of the things that companies realize in order to speed it up is they're getting involved in what we call at Dale Carnegie action learning so that, um, you know, training is, doesn't stop at the end of the class, but it's carried into the workforce where people have action plans to use the skills they've learned to speed up the process of development. Great. And one of the things that you mentioned that's so critical to leadership at all levels are relationships. Yes. And I'm delighted to have you both here um, because I don't, you know, the listeners may not be aware, but you guys have a relationship. And Corey, as he mentioned, has been working with you. And um, tell me a little bit about your relationship and, you know, why you guys feel like this relationship has risen to the level of, of being a, a, what I would call a trusted advisor. You want to take that one? Okay. Um, I uh, first heard about 
Corey a number of years ago when he wrote his book eBoot Camp, and uh, and I was read the book and was fascinated with um, you know the whole subject because I could see that we were moving toward a new uh, medium as far as 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 advertising and marketing was going, and I had tried everything. Um, I had tried radio, okay, um, and uh, I've tried billboards, um, print ads, newspaper, full-page ads and magazines. I even um, did that that van that drives around with the slats, <laughs> okay, where you're stuck in traffic and there's this revolving sign on the back of a truck. I've tried everything and uh, really, you know, didn't feel like I was getting much for it. And I can't tell you how much that costs. So um, I was fascinated with this whole di- idea of reaching people through this medium. And uh, Corey began holding some really outstanding social media classes because let's face it, people feel really like a fish out of water in this whole thing. Um, and, of course, the very younger folks, I think it's a way of life. They wake up and there's so, their social media as they get out of bed. But, you know, when you get um, into into different generations, it, it's not as comfortable. And I'm that generation that's going to have to adopt to it and, and am adopting to it. So Corey came to town. Um, he was living in Florida, and uh, he came to town, and I helped him find um, some, I guess, roots here, you know, welcome to him. And uh, we began to collaborate about what he could do for my Dale Carnegie franchise. He was already very much involved with other franchisees. Uh, it's just an awesome um, service that he provides me and many of my sister and brother franchisees is that we're running a business, and we've got um, a lot of moving parts and a lot of details in our business, and we're serving people, and that's our main main focus. And we don't have the time to be experts in social media. Our expertise is in professional development. So uh, we began our relationship. Um, we did a seminar here, and uh, I I uh, signed on for his services. Yeah, and I'll just add to you know I've. As I mentioned earlier, based on the fact that I took the program, took Dale Carnegie, um, gosh, almost 15 years ago now or something to that effect. I mean, I've kind of grown up in this business and, and Dale Carnegie, and um, it, it's changed my life in, in more ways than I can spend the time on this program talking about. And I've taken multiple programs and such. So it's in my blood, you know, and, and so um, it's been very easy for my for me and my company to uh, to, to work with Dale Carnegie just because we love it so much. It's always nice to be able to have that extension. It doesn't always work out that way, but I, I'm very lucky in that. And so, you know, I've known uh, franchisees for a long time, and that includes Wendy, and she's um, a well-respected uh, franchisee within the Dale Carnegie environment, someone I've known for a long time, way before we ever, you know, did business together. And, and when I moved here, there was a specific, you know, I remember going to lunch with Wendy and, and, and just saying to her, you know, I just want to let you know, I'm here not to sell you. I, I don't want to, um, you, you know, make you feel like that this is a sales call. I want you to know that um, I want to build a relationship with you, and, and I don't have a lot of friends here in Atlanta, and, and I would love just to, to, to be a, a partner with you and connect with you. And um, and that's kind of what we did in the beginning. There, um, we went to lunch many a times prior to ever doing business together, and she was very helpful for, for me coming here, which was just great just to know somebody in the community. Um, and then she had a need, and, and it worked out, you know, very organically, I would say, to, to us working together, um, which, which was really 
nice. And and the other thing that uh, I'll mention here that I think would be helpful for for listeners is something that I talk about in my seminars a lot is I also connect not only with Wendy but my other clients via Facebook. Now with Wendy, I'm very lucky because I have a um, proximity. Uh, connection to her. I can go see her. I can come to a radio station and have an interview with her where I can't do that with a lot of my other clients. But um, I still want to have a strong relationship with those clients. And yes, there's phone conversations. Yes, there's occasional physical meetings. But uh, the the ability to be able to connect personally with them on Facebook for me enables me to be able to deepen the relationship at a level I wouldn't normally be able to do. I'll give you a couple examples of that. Uh, you know, just recently, one of my clients uh, celebrated a wedding anniversary, 40 years. You know, I was able to celebrate with them virtually. Another client of mine uh, is, is a mother is struggling with uh, cancer. I was able to support, you know, or at least to lend my support. Um, you know, another client's a kid just uh, graduated from college, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth. And all of these things, would they come out in a typical business conversation? Maybe, maybe not. But the ability to be able to see that and be able to interact with that for me really enables me to deepen the relationship. So I am aware for those listening uh, and putting up their defenses right away that there are a lot of negative to opening your personal Facebook page to your business community. But for me, the advantages far outweigh the negatives. Yes, I have to filter myself. Yes, I have to avoid the pictures of me taking an ice loose shot on New Year's Eve, you know, so on and so forth, um, out of the equation. But uh, the ability to be able to interact and spend more time, even if it might be virtual, with my clients far outweighs the negative. Yeah, one thing I hear, and I'd love for Wendy to weigh, on, weigh in on this, is like, Corey, it sounds like you really walk your talk. Um, you know, as a social media expert, you're saying that you're using Facebook to connect with your clients. Um, I would probably never do that. Um, and so, Wendy, other than the, the authenticity, what else would you say um, has made, you know, Corey kind of rise to the, the level of a, uh, of a real trusted? What has brought him into the inner circle for you? Right. Um, well, I guess watching um, his interaction with the other franchisees, and he does walk the walk and talk the talk there's no question when you choose somebody that's going to be uh, providing your reflection of who you are to the world okay which is what he's doing my personal LinkedIn page is handled by Corey you have to have a lot of trust and he goes the extra mile to build the relationship Uh, and trust is not words trust is behavior Trust is following through. And so, you know, it, it's something that builds. And uh, you start any relationship, you give an initial amount to somebody, you watch what they do with it, and then you keep expanding it. So in Corey's case, it was just a resounding, pleasant, wonderful surprise that he does what he says he's going to do. And he has the utmost concern for how you look out there that you are fresh, that you are giving. And I think that social media, there's too many people that are wrecking it with their takers, and they're looking for something immediate, and they're not willing to put the time in to to develop uh, the picture of who you are out there. And Corey and his team are very reliable. I, I don't know if you remember um, newsletters, Okay, newsletters used to be the way people communicated. Okay, they were in print, and they moved 
to the Internet. And so a company would meet, and they decide they were going to have a newsletter, and everybody would weigh in. It was all excited and exciting, and you, you divvy it all out, right? And you do one or two newsletters. They're supposed to come out monthly. Now you decide to do them quarterly. <laughs> and people are looking for their newsletters, and they liked it, but it's not your job, right? Everybody has their other job. So that eventually the newsletter comes out once a year. <laughs> And so that can happen in social media. And that he was mentioning it earlier, why people come to him, is that it has to be fresh. It has to re- represent what's going around. It can't have a post that is October 4th, 2013 on it, okay? It has to be fresh. And it has to reflect who you are. And he and his team do that. Now, do you remember, like, a, a moment of magic? So... Corey mentioned his, you know, his moment, you know, when he was having lunch with you. But is, was there a moment of magic when you kind of knew that he was going to be in the inner circle? What did that look like? Well, uh, there was one moment of magic that he remembers, and that's when I gave his daughter a balloon in her office. And um, it sort of started a spark between us. Um, she was such a doll, and we gave her a little stuffed animal. And she acted like, I don't know if he trained her to do this, but she <laughs> acted like this is the most important balloon and stuffed animal she'd ever had. And so his his child got into my heart. But, yes, I think I, I know the, the time when we both um, decided that we were um, we had the same values, yeah. uh, and that's when – that's when you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, so would you mind just sharing what, what you think those common values are? Well, um, honesty, um, uh, you know, integrity, uh, follow through, you know, doing what you say you're going to do, um, uh, spiritual values, knowing that there's something beyond that we, we have uh, to look at every day. Uh, and... Uh, I think um, a value of caring, um, values, uh, he sincerely cares about other people and demonstrates that. Um, I I think we all know people who have great words, but it's it's what people put behind words that really make an impact on a value. So um, I would say um, those are the things that that have created this relationship, the bridge between us. And it's interesting because, you know, those are great values and we all, you know, aspire. I don't think anybody goes out and say, you know, I really value being dishonest, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you, how do you see things when people, you know, err? Because we all err. Um, and we all err in our relationships as well. How does, how does that play out, you think? Well, um, if you were to look at the writings of Dale Carnegie, okay, and, and he wrote his book in 1936, and it's still a bestseller. And he's been t- we've been doing these classes and development in human relations and communications for 102 years. So if you open up the little golden book of the 60 principles that he wrote about in his two books, How to Win Friends and Influence, um, and that you de- declare what, what workarounds you have to, to not let it happen again. So it's, it's really principle-driven. Uh, and, and knowing your values and knowing the values of the people around you and having those aligned are what make good business, you know, uh, relationships. And what positions you put people in, in organizations, you have to understand their value system. 
I'll give you an example. I had a trainer that her great one of her values was heart or feeling a caring of deep caring was one of her strong values. And she had a really, you know, she cared about others. And uh, so she may not have been a good person to put in a position to tell people they couldn't have a refund, you know, <laughs> okay, if, if, if there had, if you had to cut a dark line, she would always see the other side. So you don't, don't waste your time putting her there. Uh, let her be where she flourishes and um, so uh, values are very important. And we don't think of values as good and bad, which is a lot of people's think of good and bad. Values just are different and what makes us tick and what we become good at. And what we care about, we become good at. Mm. So it, it's, it's about alignment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. And so just to shift gears a little bit, um, just back into the area of expertise and bring it full circle. Corey, I'd love it if you would just share with us a little bit about, um, you know, some upcoming events or things that you think people should be aware of and, and uh, should know about in the world of social media. I think that you have some stuff coming up. I think you may have recently published a book. I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. And I'll just take the opportunity too to, to, as you said, bring that full circle and just mention to, cause I know you have a lot of CEOs um, listening in and, and just to, to talk a little bit about the communication goes two ways. And, and I think the reason why I have a strong relationship with Wendy is she's, always been willing to take the time out to communicate with us. I think, you know, l- you know, let's be candid for a second. Let's talk about our failures. You know, I mean, we, we're not perfect. Like you said, we all err. And um, I would say, you know, the, the times where we've had um, the worst relationships with some of our companies have been when the communication hasn't been there. For whatever reason, that could be our fault or it could be their fault, it could be both. Uh, but I can almost guarantee you that everyone had a communication issue and there wasn't enough communication going on. So I think an important part of a client vendor, client partner, whatever you want to call it, relationship is ongoing communication and making sure that you both feel open to be able to provide feedback. Wendy just recently gave us some great feedback on on some things that we really needed to work on and, and get better at in terms of some of the marketing that we do. And, and we love that. We, we recognize that we're coachable and that we can get better. If you ever get to a point where you think you're perfect, you know, you're in trouble. Uh, so we have that relationship and I think that puts not only me in her inner circle, but vice versa. Um, so we have that, that ability to be able to do that. And as long as that continues and, and we keep that going, I think that our relationship will remain really strong, which is really key. So what do you think has communications not work? I mean, you said that sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does. I mean, what do you think? When it, when it breaks down, um, you know, I would say that uh, what I always tell, this is, this is interesting that you would bring this up because this is like a, if my team are listening, they'll, they'll laugh when they, I said, but my thing with them is if, if Wendy, for example, ever calls me up and says, Corey, I want you to have Jody stop calling me. She is over communicating with me. I can't get her away from me. She gets a free dinner on me, like a, like a steak dinner, like a really nice dinner. Um, that's a win in my book. <laughs> you know, it's when that they're not communicating enough when we have challenges. So I always want them to err on the side of over communicating than under communicating. I'd rather them bother Wendy than not bother her enough. And that's always just been a philosophy that I've that I've lived by in terms of um, making sure that the communication stays open. Uh, you know, I think when CEOs or businesses or companies expect that they can just hand over the marketing and turn the keys over and walk away, it doesn't work that way. 
and it, that's doomed for failure. You've got to be involved. And we've had times where that's occurred. And, and like I always say, we, we, we can't do it alone. You guys are too involved in the company. We need you um, to be able to help uh, us get better and to communicate with each other. So just having that open ground of communication. Mm-hmm. And what do you do to elicit the elicit the communication from clients? Because I find that as well. Sometimes clients either, you know, like you said, they're busy and they want to just hand over the project and not be involved and think that magic's going to happen somehow um, on the other end. Or uh, they're reluctant to give candid feedback when something has gone the way that they, you know, in a way that they don't like. So what do you do to get people to actually open up and talk to you? Well, the cool thing is what we've learned over the years is you can't force it down one particular path. Like taking Wendy, for example, um, email's not the right path for Wendy. She gets, you know, 677 emails a day. Um, (laughs) And so we're just one of those emails. So um, I'll text her. Or I'll call her, you know, and, and then the, there's some CEOs or executives that do not want to be called these days. We know a lot of those people. Maybe that's us, right? Um, and so <laughs> texting's the, the the right mode of communication for them. Um, maybe posting on their Facebook wall <laughs> it might be the right form. So we have to figure out the right angle to be able to get to them and make sure that they can uh, uh, see our communication or hear our communication, uh, which I think is critical. Yeah, Wendy, I saw you nodding there when we when we started talking about communication. It sounded like you you wanted to chime in. So oh well, um, you know I think that really um, a lot of times companies in and this isn't speaking specifically at Corey, but companies think no news is good news. Mm. And uh, <laughs> there are people who don't who don't feel icky calling up and saying things, so they just are quiet, and they build an, an kind of a, an anger because they're not being attended to. So because a client isn't a problem or isn't calling or anything like that, it's really, really important to communicate with them. Um, so I, I concur with what, what Corey says, you know, you can't over-communicate. And uh, so I agree with that totally. Mm. Uh, We have an incredibly strong relationship because we have the ability to talk about anything and um, no defensiveness, right? And one of the things in any good relationship is owning your own issues. Uh, Communication is a two-way street. So, um, you know, I identified my issues uh, of why things maybe needed to change Uh, but that were all my issues. And so it's a wonderful thing when you have a relationship with both people are looking at ways they can do better, Mm -hmm. you know, so. And um, any thoughts for how to, how to establish that, that culture of the relationship where the communication is open from the very beginning? Do you guys have something in your kickoff meetings or in your initial communications that, that sets the tone to allow those kinds of communications to happen throughout the entire life of the relationship? You know, I um, and again, I, I, I received no commission on Del Carnegie um, sales, <laughs> but I will say that I think you know we're very lucky that we work with Del Carnegie folks. I mean, they they're, they're communicators. Um, you know, they're good people. Uh, they have, you know, like we talked about values and things of that nature. So the relationship starts off on a good foot because ninety nine out of a hundred times um, we're talking to communicators who are you know have good values and and are and are, and are good souls and are good people. Um, I think, you know, setting the groundwork up front, setting the expectations very clearly, um, setting a communication plan. And and we've fallen short on this uh, many a times where um, we will allow the client to dictate how we're going to communicate. You know, you know, hey, you know, let's just meet once a quarter. That's fine. And we'll say, okay, you know, and, and we know that's not right. And what we need to do is say, you know, that's that's probably not that's not going to work for you. I'm telling you right now, we've done this before. We got to meet monthly, at least on the phone, so we can touch base on your 
on your marketing and, and decide what's working and what needs to be tweaked and things of that nature. And again, when we have these monthly meetings, which we're now having with Wendy that makes our relationship even stronger, things don't fall through the cracks. Um, I always talk about uh, with my team, again, I use these visuals, the the, the basement. Now, in, in Georgia here, we don't have a lot of basements. Some of us have basements. But up north, we all have basements. And um, you can have a little leak that can just be a little water spot that you go down there and you you clean that up, no big deal. But if you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait, you know, mold can start to grow and it can become a humongous problem. Uh, you can lose your house over it almost. And that's the thing with relationships. You know, if you can nip it in the bud quickly, it's no big deal. But if you let it simmer there or, or, or sit around for super long, it can turn into a disaster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, Wendy, what, what do you think about in terms of communication plans with your clients? And what does that, what do those communication plans often look like for you? To my, with my clients? Or just in general with in Corey. In general, yeah. we're Corey. Um, well, he, he nailed it that y- you've got to, y- you really have to have, um, begin with the end in mind. <laughs> you have to take a, a look at it and, and, and say, what, do I, what are my goals? And you have to work toward those and have a plan for it. And he, he nailed it in that whether it be my clients or my relationship with him, um, if I'm not doing my part, and communicating it, then the relationship's going to fall. It takes two people. It mm-hmm. definitely does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So as I, w- I was kind of preparing us to talk about, you know, what's what you see uh, coming um, in terms of recommendations for what people should do to deal with social media overload, um, and then I'll come back to you, Wendy, okay. in a moment. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, uh, Soyini. I l- l- look at me. You know, she asked me about my book, and I avoid the question and go go figure. I'm a terrible salesperson. Um, the 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 come, book. You need to come to Dale. I do. Yeah, I should probably take that sales <laughs> program again. Um, uh, Wait, one on Monday. One on Monday. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, you know, the I wrote again. I wrote the book with with. I, I remember an individual, uh, probably si- similar to a few people who are listening in on this call, who ran up to me in one of my sessions and, and said, "Corey, you know, I'm." I'm I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. Um, you, you've talked for an hour now, and, and you didn't tell me how to syndicate my Twitter feed on my website, and I really need to know how to do that. And I said, okay, no problem. I'm happy to help you with that. Tell me the business you're in. He said, well, I sell medical supplies to the elderly. And I looked at him for a second. He looked at me, and we just sort of had this sort of moment of zen where um, <laughs> we we both realized at the same moment that maybe you don't need to be on Twitter, you know? And and that's where the book was born, you know? It was, it was a... The book is supposed to be a roadmap for people to figure out where they need to be spending their time, and most importantly, how they need to be spending their time. You can be on any social network, but if you're not creating compelling content, uh, you're going to lose. So it's it's really about instead of trying to figure out the next best thing, and, and everyone's always trying to figure out you know the next hottest thing. Do one of these social networks really well, you know. Um, get your flag above the rest. You know, Facebook's got you know billions of people on it. We have to figure out a way to um, uh, to to get above the noise. And I think that that's a uh, a really hard thing to do, but at the same time, um, an important thing to do. So, uh, you know, we try very hard within our Carnegie world with Wendy's Facebook page and such to get. Uh, their page seen by a lot of people. And we do that by um, 
talking in terms of their interests, which is a Dale Carnegie principle. And their interests are what's going on in the classroom. Their interest is what's going on in the Georgia community. Their interest is what's going on in their lives. Um, their interest is, uh, you know, funny pictures that we can relate back to Dale Carnegie principles. I think of one where it's got a cat and it's got his hair sticking on all ends and he looks super stressed. And, you know, is this you? Uh, here's a, a principle on how to overcome worry and um, and reduce stress and, and things like that, that not only can help somebody feel a little better, but also put a smile on their face. So my thing, Soyini, is all about, uh, and the book Social Media Overload is all about um, not only simplifying what you do on social media, but doing it the best the best way you can. Great. And um, so you said the most important thing, if I heard you correctly, was content, having really compelling content. Uh, how do people develop great content when they're busy and have day jobs and they're not writers, you know, or, you know, ad- advertising people? So what are your thoughts on ways that people can develop to uh, develop compelling content if you if you plan on uh, you know sitting down every day or every week and trying to create the the greatest piece of content you ever wrote you're gonna again struggle uh, typically people have sort of um, moments of brilliance you know and so my suggestion is to create a content calendar and again it goes back to that frequently asked questions thing you know I'll have people sit down and create seven to ten topics of questions that they get asked all the time time. And, you know, one I get all the time is, uh, you know, how do I get more fans to my Facebook page? Or how do I get more opens to my e-newsletters, things of that nature? We'll write content around those, you know, or we'll create topics around those all at one time. And then when it comes down to writing, we have a content list to be able to pull from. And so I don't have to spend time thinking about topics. I can spend my time uh, writing. And then, you know, the other thing is, is staying consistent. I always tell people that the first article they write is always the easiest. The second becomes tougher and the third and fourth and fifth and so on and so forth. Um, you got to stay consistent. You got to put it into your calendar. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, creating content is the hardest and worst job in all of social media. There's no doubt about it. It takes the most time and you got to do it well. But the good news is once you create that content, um, you can take it a long way. You can syndicate it. What we do is we'll create a blog post for Wendy. Um, we'll take that and we'll put that in her email newsletter so that we can get her. People who read her emails don't read her blogs and vice versa. Typically, uh, they like to choose the way they, they read her content. Then we'll cut out pieces of value from that article and we'll put it throughout her social media sites. So we'll put it on her LinkedIn page, her Facebook page, her Twitter, her Instagram, things of that nature. We'll create an infographic out of that blog article and put it on Instagram. And if we really want to get crazy, we'll run over to Wendy's office and we'll shoot a little video and we'll use that blog article as a script. We'll go as far as that sometimes to really get this content, give it legs and spread it across her different communities. Great. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. And and Wendy, in terms of you know, actionable recommendations for how our listeners can implement some of the ideas that we've discussed today? Um, Well, um, actionable ideas as it relates to um, professional development. Yes. Um, Dale Carnegie is, uh, we we have a very extensive uh, curriculum that we offer publicly, and we also do a lot of custom work for companies when they identify areas that they'd like to work on specifically, and they want to, they want to, uh, enliven 30 people at once rather than one at a time. But uh, we have a, a, a training center where we offer uh, wonderful courses on human relations and communication and leadership development. And um, 
it's kind of unique that we have a public format. A lot of training companies uh, just require you to put 30 people together, and that can be very costly. So companies can use us as their HR department, and they can pick high-potential people and start developing them one at a time and not have to make a huge investment. Uh, and we start with uh, the Dale Carnegie program, which is a course that really is um, – the living of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, the book was not written on how to make friends. The book was written uh, to uh, create influence in your life, whether it be business or personal. So that is the most important first course that people take from us, which goes through those 60 magical principles that, that Corey has been talking about that create alignment and relationships and trust. And so first you build connection with people, and once they you build a relationship, then you build a connection, and that, that connection creates cooperation. And then once you have people's cooperation, you can affect change, and that's what leadership is, is building connection, gaining cooperation, and change. So we have a course that goes through that. We also have management courses that weave those principles in. Um, uh, we don't just tell you that delegation is important to management. We tell you how to delegate with, without upsetting people and how to get results, uh, how to hold people accountable for their, their work. Uh, and we have presentation courses where you're videotaped seven times with, with uh, private coaching, uh, small class to instructors. And like a golf lesson, you go in at one place and you'll come out higher. Uh, phenomenal uh, course. Uh, designed to impact the results of your presentation, not to eliminate saying um or taking your hands out of your pocket, but are you getting results from your presentations? And then we have a sales course that has been shown to increase sales by 20% in the first eight weeks. Um, It's a phenomenal course that gets results. I always laugh when people say, I say, well, They'll be interested in the sales course, and and I will say, well, we have one coming up on Monday, and we actually do. It's eight evenings, Mondays, and they say, well, I'll do the next one. And I always say to myself, why don't they want to fix this now? Why don't they want to improve their sales now? Why are they putting this off till later in the year? Do you want to meet your goals or don't you? So, uh, so we have a nice public format, and then also we can come in and consult with the company to determine what they need and create a custom design program to, to meet that. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, and so I would uh, love it if you guys would let us know how to get in. If uh, let us our listeners know how to get in touch with you. So, Corey, if people want to get in touch with you, how would, how do they do that? They would go to uh, www.ebootcamp.com. So that's E as in Edward, and then like militarybootcamp.com. So ebootcamp.com or coreyperlman.com. C O R E Y. P-E-R-L-M-A-N.com. And I, I will, when I pass the mic back to Wendy, I'll just say that I smiled when she talked about the presentations course because I am a speaker. So when I went into that HIP program, I was, you know, the, even the, the, the trainers were a little nervous. They're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to, you know, Corey, I don't, you know, I hope your expectation, you know, it blew me away. It absolutely blew <laughs> And you're blew a professional me. speaker, I'm too. I'm a professional you're like, speaker. You're the, pre- the incoming president of the National Speakers Association of Georgia. It, it blew me, and I'm, I'm saying that you know, straight up 100%. Uh, you know, I remember looking into the wall 
ball went in on me to steal your secret sauce and 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 using a hundred times more enthusiasm on something I was talking about and I felt silly and then I watched myself on camera and I said you know what that looked good and that's the kind of thing that you you realize when you when you see yourself on camera so it's a phenomenal course I'm done thanks <laughs> thank you Corey um, you may reach me um, at www.atlanta.dalecarnegie.com or wendy.johnson at dalecarnegie.com. Thank you very much. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.